Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Well, good morning. Welcome all of our campuses, all of you watching online, all of us here. How many having a good day so far? You good? Cowboys playing at noon. That's why you're here, isn't it? You're not here for God. You're... No, I'm kidding. Hey, uh, brave uh, ladies, if, uh, wherever you are, whatever campus you're uh, attending or if you're online, um, man, this Friday night, our Brave Conference, our Women's Conference, great speakers. Listen, uh, I know some of us, you know, we're kind of fashionably late. I'm just going to encourage you not to be late because the opener is something you don't want to miss. So uh, make sure you're here right when the doors open so that you can get a seat and get in here and have some fun. It's going to be a great great night. It's not too late to sign up. Just uh, go to our website, go to the app, whatever. Uh, it's not up there. So, uh, or ask a staff member. Make sure you get signed up, and we'd love to have you. Uh, man, I got to say thank you to all of you, uh, and most of you who give at Hope were involved yesterday, whether you knew it or not. Yesterday and Friday, we uh, do Project Serve. We did Thanksgiving basket, baskets for thousands of, of people around our area, and this whole uh, Frisco East Campus was filled with tables and food and people, 1,200 volunteers getting together. And I just, can we give it up for all of them who came and gave and served? And uh, listen, if you, if you think about it, put it in your calendar this week to pray for those families that will receive those boxes. Uh, yesterday at, at the event, I, was, I had prayed over the event in the, kind of in the middle of it. And uh, a lady came up to me and she said, listen, I don't, I, you don't know me. And it wasn't necessarily this event, but years ago when I lived in Dallas and I was a single parent and I had, I mean, scraping by, I got a box from a church and it changed my heart. And I am here today and I am better and God is restored, blah, 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 all that stuff. But because somebody cared enough and it made a difference. So now, let's, let's give the Lord a hand. And we, it's, it, it, you never know when, when uh, it's going to touch somebody. And that could be you. So anyway, today, uh, we've been in the series, The End Times. And speaking on end times for three weeks in a row got us all stressed out. So uh, we're going to have a, I'm kidding, we're going to have a break. And, and anytime I get to have one of my best friends in the whole world come and speak, it is a privilege for me and an honor, treat, kind of. But for you, guys, I'm just telling you, I, I heard the message last night. Rick Gannon, my dear friend, pastors Palm Valley Church in Mission, Texas. And if you've never heard Rick, you're getting ready to, to have a treat today. But, um, man, he's one of my best friends, and he pastors an incredible church. He and Terry, Terry's with him, his wife. Um, great leaders, great pastors, and even better friends. And so would you, Hope Fellowship, across all of our campuses, would you give, and online, would you give them a whole big Hope Fellowship welcome, Rick? Love you, man. Thanks, buddy. Hello, Hope. Good morning to all. So glad you're here today. And uh, all your questions about the end times next week. Okay, not today. Not today. Uh, Terry and I are honored to be here. We're happy to come. But my dog wasn't so happy. Uh, you have a dog. 
ours, uh, he did this deal where I open up the suitcase to come and I'm, I'm going to the closet to get stuff. And when I come back, he's in the luggage. He's just looking at me with those eyes, like, just, aren't you going to take, I, I get him out. And you know what he does? He does this deal. He goes, sits in the corner and just faces the corner, like talk to the paw, like, <laughs> don't talk to me. It's funny how dogs, it's like they lose heart. They get sad. And you see it with people too. Sometimes it's their, the way they're looking at you, their shoulders are down. They've lost the spark in their eye. It seems like they've lost hope. That's what I really what I want to talk about today. And if, if you've lost a little hope, you've lost some faith over a situation, there's something in your life that you've just given, up, given over and just said, I don't think it can change. Maybe today the Lord would just lift our heads a little. Can we pray? Father, thank you so much for this wonderful crowd and this great church. Thank you for those boxes that went out, those little rays of hope that are gonna go make a huge difference. But today in this room, I pray for a different ray of hope, of encouragement, literally the courage of the Lord to fall upon our shoulders once again. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Every one of us need this thought and this message and this truth today. Be the glory and the lifter of our heads today in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. Um, this past year, I did some study on, on discouragement and, and the psychology of that. I'm not a, a counselor, a psychologist. I'm a pastor. But I learned as much as I could. I read quite a bit. And one of the things that really stuck out to me was this idea called learned helplessness. What is learned helplessness? It's simply this. It's a belief that you can't change the course of negative events. It's a belief that failure is inevitable and insurmountable. That what's done is done, it's over, and, and you just, you get a block almost in your head, and you just think it, that's just the way it is. It's just fact, learned helplessness. Well, there's studies, all kinds of studies that were done on this, and on humans, but also on animals that I found interesting. One of them, uh, these were done back in the 60s and 70s, and also some of them were done back in the 30s and 40s. The earlier ones were done on elephants. And they would take an elephant, like a, they would study how like circus elephants. And we don't do this anymore. It's probably a good thing. But they used to, to train them to not run off. And, and as a very young elephant, they would tie their ankle with a leash, a big rope, tie a stake in the ground. And the young elephant would fight and fight and fight and get to the end and be stuck and be stuck. And eventually, eventually it stops fighting. And it just stops. As the elephant gets larger and bigger and powerful enough to move anything in its way, they found that if you tied that same elephant up the same way and just even lightly put a stake in the ground, it would stop. It wouldn't even, as soon as it felt resistance, learned helplessness. It just would stop. Even though I had the power to yank it out like nothing, but it would just stop. There was another study done at Johns Hopkins, and they did this study on lab rats. It's kind of gross, bear with me, this is going somewhere. Um, but these lab rats, they would throw them in a big barrel of water without any possibility of getting out, and they would time it to see what it was like as it drowned. And they would time it, and they, sure enough, the rat would be swimming, 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 but eventually get really panicked. And you could tell, eyes bulge, furiously, and then drown. And they, they had averaged the time, and it was literally less than 10 minutes. Then they threw another rat in. And this time, when it got near that point, sure enough, same time, same action, same fury, eyes bulging. 
Dr. Richter would take his hand and, and take it out, put it on a dry towel, dry it off, give it some cheese, totally let it recover. And once it was fully recovered, put it back in the barrel. And back in the barrel, you know what they found? It didn't learn helplessness, it learned hope. It now swam four times longer. And they just studied it and studied it, and this would go on and on. And whenever they'd notice the rat would get to that place of panicking and freaking out, they would stick his hand down in, put it on a dry towel, and let it recover. And so the theme of the message today, can I just cut to the theme? I'm just one rat telling other rats. I don't know how. But sometimes there's a mighty hand that can come down and rescue us and let us recover. There's hope. There is hope. Um, To illustrate today, I want to use one of my favorite stories in Mark chapter 2. A story about Jesus speaking to a bunch of people in a very crowded space. Let's take a read. It says this, a few days later, when Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home and they gathered in such large numbers there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Just get the picture. We don't know exactly what the setting was. They could have been at the tabernacle there. It could have been in a house. Regardless, it's so crowded. The picture is that there's people literally right here upon Jesus. The, if there was windows in the door, what, there were people layers deep listening It's packed. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And since they couldn't get him to Jesus because of the crowd, look what they did. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. This is the word of the Lord. It's, it's one of those spots, I think, in Scripture that for those that don't believe the Bible is real, how about this story? You would never write it this way if it wasn't real. You wouldn't tell the story this way. There's so much here. These guys show up with a, a friend. We don't even know if the guy had a choice in the matter. He's paralyzed. What's he going to do? They picked him up. They're carrying him. It could have been involuntary for all we know. We don't know his name, but they bring him. There's a crowd of people. Of course, Jesus was a miracle worker. He was a rabbi with power. He was different than other rabbis. There are probably other people around with needs, shouting out his name probably. This frequently happened. But they get to the place, and one of them decides perhaps, maybe he's a roofer, I don't know. But he says, I have a thought. I have an idea And frequently, the way the structures would have been built in Middle Eastern culture then, there would have been a staircase along the side. We're talking seven, eight feet here, okay? And the roof would have been with with beams, structure, leaves, and and like a thatch, like a, a, a mud. That was kind of the roof. So we're not talking shingles and 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 like what we think of roof, but it would have certainly made a mess. It would have made noise. It couldn't have been more dramatic. I mean, just imagine in in a room, if while I was speaking, just, I mean, I'm sure there's security around here. If you cough more than three times, they're carrying you out, right? (laughs) I mean, if you tried to go through the roof here, somebody's doing something. It's dramatic. And not only that, the, the debris is like falling undoubtedly on Jesus. It's not like you just power through and just keep talking. (laughs) No. 
And, and can I just add, these guys, they get up to the roof. What's their plan? Once it's open and you've got everyone's attention, did they think through how are we going to let him? Did somebody actually suggest, you know, he's already paralyzed. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how it worked. But this is what happened. He's down. Somehow they made room where there was no room. And there's four heads looking down, probably smiling. There's a homeowner, probably very irate. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. It's a crazy story. I love this. It says, when Jesus, you have to pay attention in this story, who Jesus is addressing. When this happens, it's as if he ignores the paralyzed guy and he says, when Jesus saw their faith, these guys, their faith. Do you have friends that make you closer to Jesus, that would do anything to get you closer to Jesus? In my younger years, I had a lot of friends that were doing everything to take me away from Jesus. I don't know about you. But I love this picture of the friend's faith. Their faith was full. When the way was blocked, they decided we're not stopping. There's more we can do. We're not just saying, we're not, we haven't learned helplessness. That somehow there's a way we can press in. It's, it's a beautiful picture. Faith breaks apart everything that stands between us and Jesus. Faith is adamant. It doesn't wait online. It doesn't wait outside. Faith is desperate to be near Christ. That's what faith is. Faith doesn't care who's watching. Is it embarrassing? Is it impolite? Faith is adamant. Faith believes anything could happen and probably will. And it's a theme, by the way, of the life of Jesus. You see it like in Zacchaeus. A regal, wealthy man doesn't climb trees, but this one did to see Jesus. You see it with the woman, the issue of blood, who was so persistent. She was ill, she was sick, but she pressed through the crowd just to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. Over and over again, there were events that would happen, and it says in the Gospels frequently, we've never seen things like this before. Oh, that would be said again of his church. Never saw anything like that before. That's why I love hearing testimonies around baptism. Yesterday, Terry and I, one of our partner ministries are in Fort Worth. It's an it's a alcohol and drug rehab for women. And we sat around and heard stories and stories, and we were reminded again, wow, never heard that one before. Wow, God's grace is still amazing. These are people that haven't learned helplessness. They've now learned hope. They've learned there is a way, that with God there's always a way. There's always a solution. That's what the picture is. This group is what I like to think of as a big-spirited group. Do you know people like this? You just get around them. You stand a little taller. Your faith grows a little more. They're big-spirited. You call them and they just encourage. Encouragement isn't, hey, nice shirt. Encouragement is literally taking courage and putting it inside of somebody. A big-spirited group. Don't you love it? I, I know other people that are the opposite of that. You don't call them when you're down. They just take you further down. <laughs> we all know some people like that. Don't look around right now. Just keep your eyes right here. <laughs> you know, when we've gone through a lot of pain and hurt, pain makes us small. Pain shrinks our vision. 
stunts our spiritual growth. These past few years, especially in our nation, in our world, there's been a lot of pain. There's been a lot of hurt. And you know, one of the side effects, there's many, but one of the side effects is it's caused us to become so insular. Many don't even come to church. Well, it's dangerous. You can't go to church. and just watch in line. It's fine. It's a tool. It's available. But it shrinks us, and we lose this big-spiritedness. And self-preservation becomes our God above all else. It's just safety. Be safe. You go somewhere, be safe. We need to take missions trips again. We, we need to perhaps roll up our sleeves and touch something where it takes a little faith. You need to eat something every now and then where you really have to pray over it. And you're reminded, this is why we pray over food. Thank you very much. <laughs> you need to get around some people where all they've got is God. It's all they've got. It does something to our faith. It moves us in different ways. You're at your best when you're big-spirited. Yesterday, this room full of people serving, that's big-spirited. You got nothing out of it, and yet you got so much out of it. You're at your best when you're big-spirited. These guys, they were big-spirited. So back to the story, back to the story. Question, what does the guy need? It seems like everybody seems to know except Jesus, right? He's paralyzed. He needs, he needs to walk. He's got a problem with his legs, and Jesus looks at him, and by the way, this would have been the perfect, like, made-for-TV moment, like the evangelist, rise up, struck the pose, get the angles. <laughs> he didn't do that. He says, son, your sins are forgiven. The paralyzed guy's thinking, thanks? <laughs> that's, not, that's not what I was looking for. Legs, can't walk. That, that's the problem. Beloved, this is the main point of the story. You think you know your problem is what Jesus is saying. And I know you're suffering. I know you went through a great, a great act to make this happen. But you got to go deeper than you think. You think you know what you need. I see things differently. Jesus is on a whole nother level. The main problem in a person's life is never their suffering it's their sin. It's their soul. It's the condition of their soul. Jesus is saying, look, if your legs worked, you still have problems here. If you could run and sprint, you still have problems here. I see that too. That's a bigger deal. There's people with, with great health, but their shipwrecked soul is the problem. This is it. And if you find this offensive, by the way, at least, consider, at least consider this. What has happened to you has already happened to you. You can't undo that. It's already happened. Jesus is saying, simply asking for your body to be healed, you're not going deep enough. Perhaps the guy's thinking, if I could just walk again, I could get my old job back. My girlfriend would love me again. If I could just walk again, everything would be all right. I would never ask for anything else ever again. If I could just walk again. <laughs> Jesus sees deeper than this. He's always several chess moves ahead. He knows that while the miracle alone would be exciting, fact is, give it a few months. And we've seen this. There's tear stains all across this room of people who were desperate, who needed to walk again. And they got what they wanted. Where are they? What happened? 
And we turn Jesus into like Santa and sitting in front of J.C. Penney's and we just want what's in his pockets. We just want his things, his stuff, a miracle. We just need a few things. If we could just get that. Here's the deal. When you come to Jesus, yes, you need a savior, but he's also Lord. And he's looking at us and he decides and he sees things and what he sees is right. Jesus knows the root of discontentment in the human heart goes deep. The Bible says that our deepest problem, watch this, is that every one of us has the potential to build our identity on something besides Jesus. Our whole identity, who we are. For this guy, maybe just to walk. If I could just walk, if I could make it big, if that career, if that door would open, if that one door, if she would like me. If that relationship could happen. If this or this or this. If these things would happen, the problem is when we start looking horizontally, those things become our savior. And what Jesus is doing, he's lifting his his perspective. You don't just have a leg problem. You have a heart problem. And I can do something about that too. He always wants to go deeper to the heart of the issue I love this, what Jesus does. He's aggressive with his grace. It's it's a picture of what James says. James, he said, if we would draw near to Jesus, he would draw near to us. We love that. It's poetic. It's beautiful. But when he draws near to us, he he does so on his terms, not ours. Sometimes we ask amiss. Am I the only one here who is glad not all of of my prayers have been answered? (laughs) I sometimes have asked selfishly or wrongly only to find out later, oh, thank you, Lord, that you are all wise, that there is a God and it's not me. Jesus, he comes and he pours out his grace when there's a slightest opening. This man wasn't trying to believe. He wasn't trying to be forgiven. That's not why he was there that day. Now, Again, let's just step back, look at the story. The first thing Jesus, Jesus noticed was these guys appear their faith. The next thing, he looked at the man and he spoke to him. There's a third group of people in the room, the leaders, the, the teachers of the law. They hear what Jesus just said and now their head's exploding. Verse six, it says, now some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone. They understand what Jesus is suggesting. Whenever he says to the guy, hey, your sins are forgiven, who can say that? Except the one that the sins were against. This is a claim of divinity. He is claiming to be God Almighty. He is saying, your sins have actually been against me. First time the guy met him. No, but your sins have been against me. So this is a huge claim that Jesus is making here. And the teachers realize you can't offer forgiveness unless you're saying the sins are you're claiming to be God. Well suddenly this gets really heavy. In fact look at verse 8. Immediately Jesus knew. He knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts and he said to them why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat, and walk? I love this story. Jesus does heal the man. The man does pick up his mat and walk out of there. But not until this happened. He's, Jesus is saying, look, any miracle worker could just heal the man. 
easy. <laughs> Take up your bed and walk. But only the Savior of the world can say, son, your sins are forgiven. And he's pointing to the cross. He's lifting people's heads. He's saying this is a much bigger deal to forgive someone's sins than to just heal them. So back to elephants and rats. Are there areas that you have a learned helplessness? Are there areas that you've reached the end, you prayed before, you didn't see what you, and you just, you stopped? Are there areas of faith and belief where you stop, where you said a no for God? Some of us have lost people we love. Long battles with cancer, difficulties I have. When you go through that, sometimes the challenge of your faith is to think this is the limit because you didn't see it happen the way you wanted it to happen. The marriage that you prayed for, believed for, you were willing to fight for, it didn't get repaired. It didn't get healed. The teenage in your house, the teenager in your house, the, the adult child, they're making decisions that are so different than what you thought they should do. Is there a point where you quit believing for some amazing transformation to happen in their life and you just say, well, that's just the way they are. That's just the way it's gonna be. It's learned helplessness. It's stopping to believe. It's limiting the Almighty. It's saying there's a place that he just can't go he can't change without Jesus we have no power to make change it's true but with him all things are possible if this man stayed outside the house we wouldn't even know about it no miracle would have happened it took all of what happened Jesus would teach us this in John he said apart from me you can do nothing nothing I was teaching on this once and a guy said you're using Jesus as a crutch I said, no, Jack, I'm using him as the whole hospital bed. He's everything. I am nothing without him, nothing. But with him, more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Have we learned helplessness? Have we stopped praying big prayers, bold prayers, prayers that strongholds would be broken over families, over neighborhoods, over cities, that principalities would be parted by the power of the Almighty? Believing that once again, God can come down and change societies in ways that no politician could do. That God could. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and heal their land. Prayer works, my brothers and sisters. Prayer changes things. In our situations, though, sometimes we get limited and we, we stop. And that's why maybe the old hymn that we used to sing would say, oh, for grace to trust him more. Oh, for grace to trust him more. The enemy of your soul would love nothing more than for you to just keep attending, but stop believing. Be faithful to church, but don't press in and ask for more, whatever you do. Be consistent in your giving and your generosity. Great, love it. But never ask for more. May we be a people who do what we were taught to do. And Jesus said, ask 
and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened. And you know, I think one of the secrets here, one of the secrets here is that we come to him regularly in every season. Come to him, desperately come to him when you're happy and healthy and things are great and up and to the right, praise God. Come to him when your job is great and things look satisfied on the horizon, your bank accounts feel great, but still come to him. Realize he is the one who gives you the grace and the mercy to be that way. Come to him when you're confident, when you're wise and you have a sound mind, but then also come to him when you're broken and discouraged. May that be our knee-jerk reaction. Because we did it in the good times, we know how. Come to him. When your health fails, when someone you love is suffering, come to him. Run to him. Come to him when your work crumbles before your eyes. Come to him. When the thought of getting out of bed in the morning just seems like the hardest thing in the world, come to him one more day, one more time, one more day of prayer. Just continue. Press in, press in, press in. Call on the name of the Lord. Don't learn helplessness. Learn hope. Learn hope. How's your prayer life going? How you doing? Do you call on him just when you need something and kind of have a, well, I don't want to bother him attitude. He wants to be bothered. He is a God who needs to be needed and wants to be wanted. He longs to be longed for. No guilt with that. No shame. If you miss a day, you miss a week. No, run back. Just run back. I long for you. Quiet the noise this week. Turn off the sound, maybe in your driving. Carve out some extra time in the morning before you go out the door running and just pause. Be quiet and still. The Lord will speak. Jesus, he had a busy, hectic life. This, is, this story is just one picture of what a chaotic life he had. And it says that he often withdrew to lonely places. Hello, if Jesus needed it, we need it. Faith is built in those times. It's in the quiet places where faith grows, where perseverance and prayer happens. Some of you might be losing heart. As I'm talking today, you might be saying, you know, I wish I could be bigger about it. But I'm losing heart. I've learned helplessness. Keep talking to God. He'll listen. He's outrageously giving. He's outrageously loving. He loves it when we ask, when we seek, when we knock. Don't lose heart. The answer may come next Tuesday. You might be five prayers away from the miracle you've sought. I don't understand why he works the way he does. But he does work. Pray bold prayers. And I don't know just how or when, but God Almighty steps through time and space and sometimes just sticks his hand down and picks up his beloved and lets them recover. Would you bow your heads, church, here online? Is your heart stirred today? Maybe even you're a guest, you're a visitor, but there's something inside that just says, I've stopped seeking him like that. And there needs to be restored in me a belief because I've put a limit on God. And I have some areas of my life that I need a revival of hope once again. I'd love to pray with you. 
If you'd just be bold enough today to just raise your hand and just say, I, I've got some areas that I've, I've stopped believing for and I need to believe once again. There's financial breakthroughs, there's marital issues, there's work issues, there's, pro, there's a boss. There's something that you've just put a limit and God has no limits. God knows what you're doing. God, you see us. We hide nothing from you. I pray we'd be big and bold in our prayers and consistent in our faith. In the areas that we've said a no for you, where we've learned some helplessness, forgive us. And help us to listen again, to lean into, and to walk with great faith and courage in you. Thank you, God, that you let us recover, that you still save us. We're so grateful. In your name we pray. And everybody said, bless you, Hope. Thanks for listening to Hope's weekend message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.